3: Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Schmelk Detino Meadow with you. Taking your phone calls, 201-939-4513. Obviously, the Giants, a very disappointing opening week loss to the Dallas Cowboys. 40 to nothing at MetLife Stadium last night. Uh, you've heard me blab about this on the postgame show last night. Paul did as well. Lance, we have not really heard from you much, though. It's not up yet. When it does go up, make sure you check out the Giants Hangout podcast that I'll be posting later on today. Lance had a chance to talk with uh, Russ and Howard about the game Uh, that will be premiering later on today. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, So Lance, just give me your overall overarching idea of the game and then just go into some of the details you thought were very important.
4: Well, the bottom line is we've been talking about all season and I use the phrase again, the gap closing and you got to see it first on the field and specifically in the trenches. There is still a huge separation between the Cowboys and the Giants with respect to the offensive and defensive fronts. I think that was proven yesterday. And if you continue to go on like this, there's no way that you're going to be forget winning games. You're going to be competitive enough to swing the momentum in your favor you had a Dallas team that had seven sacks and 12 quarterback hits you had a Giants team that had no sacks and three quarterback hits you also had an immense amount of opportunistic plays on the Cowboys front when your defense and your special team scores I mean I don't know what the percentage is but I would tell you you're pretty much going to win that game 100 percent the chances of you losing that game is slim to none so the writing was on the wall right out of the gates, especially since they got two non-offensive scores yep. immediately the first quarter.
3: I mean, I, I said this last night, Lance, the first five possessions of the game, the Cowboys had the ball once, the Giants had the ball four times, and the Cowboys yeah. were up 16 nothing. It's hard to win games that way, and just to add on to your point on the pass rush too, Dallas, 36 pressures, according to PFF, Giants with six.
4: I mean, that's night and day right there. So you don't even have to look at the optics. The numbers tell it all. And it's not just, once again, to me, the difference with respect to the defensive front. It's also on the offensive line front. And I'm not talking about how the Giants offensive line played against the Cowboys defensive front. I'm talking about the Cowboys being able to run the football to run out the clock and seal the win. You look at the Cowboys' runs, they ran the ball 30 times. I mean, this was a game that was perfectly executed from their standpoint because if you're Mike McCarthy, it's raining, it's wet. You don't want Dak to throw the ball 30 times, no matter what the score is. So they had the luxury of jumping out to an early lead. They pounded the football, and of the 30 Cowboys' runs, just four of them were for no gain or negative yards. That's a good one. So, to me, that's That's an indication. You look at those runs, and people are going to say, well, you know, they didn't give up a back-breaking, damaging run, and that's true. I think, what, Tony Pollard won 25-yard run. Outside of that, there really wasn't 10-yard runs, 12-yard runs, but they methodically moved up and down the field. They kept the chains in front of them. And that, to me, is also a sign of a very productive run game.
3: Pollard, 14 for 75 yards per carry. Daddle 6 for 24, 4 yards per carry. And a lot of those negative yards, I imagine, were probably Deuce Vaughn runs at the end of the game as well in terms of plays that went for zero. Yeah, and I
4: think Pollard may have been stuffed at the line once, but we're talking about far and few. So that also, to me stood out immensely that a team, and Paul, you, I know, we're questioning the Cowboys' run game with the absence of Zeke and how would the complementary pieces come into play. I think what Dallas showcased, and yes, it's only one game, but they're just going to have a different style fight this season in mm-hmm. terms of the run game. They're going to use smaller guys, speedsters, now, as opposed Turpin, to power. For example. Mm-hmm. And they got him out in open space, yeah. and he scored. So Dallas, they lose the power guy, but they say, okay, we still like our offensive line. We still like our elusiveness. We're just going to set up the run differently than we did last season. That, at least, was my takeaway in terms of how they attack the Giants.
3: And look, I decided to punish myself. I got up early this morning after falling asleep at like 310 last night. I was in here at 7.15 this morning, and I went through the All-22. I just finished watching both sides. Uh, the pass protection doesn't look any better after watching it on tape. And by the way, early, it was it was everybody. It was coming off the left side and left guard. Well, they moved Mike it was, everywhere. <laughs> it was Yeah, Michael Parsons was actually yeah. rarely on the edge in this game. He was actually inside more than he was on either edge. I'll have to look at the, the PFF breakdown. I haven't looked at that exactly, but I'll take a look at that in a second. But early on, it was both sides. And then in the second half, it started coming more from the right side in the second mm-hmm. half of the game. That's when you started getting one-on-one losses with, with Glinski and Neal and stuff like that. But look, Bredesen had a holding penalty. Andrew Thomas had a holding penalty. Andrew Thomas gave up three pressures in this game. You usually don't see that from him. Mm-hmm. And on the right side, it was it was a little bit worse. John Michael Schmitz had some rough moments early in the game too, in the run in the pass game. So that didn't look any better. But I will say this, because a lot of Giant fans have commented to me over the last, you know, 16 hours, 12 hours, however long it's been, That oh you know our pass rush didn't do anything and it was it was really bad and we got the pressure, Dak. You look at the numbers and we went through them. They're not there. The quarterback hits, the sacks, the pressures. They're not there. When you go back and you watch it though, Dak Prescott only dropped back to pass twenty four times.
4: Because of game flow.
3: And so much of that was drop back, get the ball out quick. Mm -hmm. He had very few five or seven step drop back, hold the ball, look around, survey the field. Now. That doesn't mean... He didn't need it. That doesn't... Yeah. Right. Well, that, that's that's the luxury of going up 16-0, yes. right? You don't have to do yes. that sort of stuff. On nine snaps. Correct. So, I don't want to kill the pass rush. Now, could someone have had a couple really quick, rapid pass rush wins and gotten to him quickly on one of those quick five-step drops or something like that and forced a fumble or something? Absolutely, that could have happened. But because of the way the Cowboys were able to play the game because of the early lead, Paul... The Giants' pass rush never really had a chance to tee up a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the, the the one thing that that concerned me, and we mentioned this on the post game on the radio yesterday, and, and that was at sixteen to nothing after Dallas had had only nine offensive snaps. I had said to you and Jonathan Casillas on the post game, at that point, somebody on the defense has to say, "Well, this is our chance now." The special teams has not done anything to help us, the offense has not done anything to help us, is there's something we can do to help ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when you have a defense that has a Williams and a Lawrence and an Ojolari and a Thibodeau and an O'Karake and a McKinney, you have a whole handful of legitimate playmakers on that defense. And what you'd really like to see at that point is, all right, so two-thirds of your team has gone south. There's one-third of the team that really hasn't had much of a chance to do anything. You've only been on the field for nine snaps, okay? Now you're going to get on the field. It's 16-0. What can you do to try to stem the tide and make sure that this team finds the spark that it needs to try to turn it around? And they didn't do it, John. That's That, to me, was the most alarming thing. Now, I'm not going to go... It's just pass rush. Mm -hmm. What I'm just saying is, can somebody make a play? Force a
3: fumble. Do something. And look, Dallas scored, Paul, just to your point, on four of their first five possessions. Field goal, field goal, touchdown, punt, touchdown. Now... Two of those drives were short, just 23 yards and 33 yards. Yes. But one of those field goals could have easily been a touchdown if Jake Ferguson doesn't drop that pass on the little out on a 32. I know. Yeah. know. Payne Hendershot dropped that pass on the seam later, and they then kind of went for a touchdown. So the numbers overall could have been worse. And there
4: was also another dropped Daniel Jones interception. Malik Hooker had it right in his chest. And it's funny, mm-hmm.
3: I was talking to Bob this morning about that, and everyone, rightfully so, well, Daniel did not make a good decision on his second interception of the no, game on the sideline yep. where he tried to force it in there. And he said as much to Bob Papa after the game on the postgame. In terms of an actual physical throw, that throw was worse. Like he that was, the decision on the second throw was poor. But the actual throw itself that he mm-hmm. airmailed to Hodgins over the yeah. middle, that hit Malik Hooker basically right in the face mm-hmm. or upper chest, that it's you can't miss by that. Now, he had to move a little bit, he was pressured, he was moving in the pocket a bit, but it's when you miss by that much in the middle of the field in traffic, bad things tend to happen. He was fortunate it didn't happen in that play. Defensively, guys, I thought I thought Dexter Lawrence played okay. I thought he was—I shouldn't say that. I actually thought Dexter Lawrence was pretty good. I thought the Giants actually did get some pressure on uh, Chuma Idoga, who was in there, a mm-hmm. left guard. I thought they actually did take advantage of him a little bit. But again, because of the way the Cowboys could play, it really didn't matter, and you couldn't right. really take advantage of that as much as you could. Uh, there was not enough pressure coming from the outside, guys. I think that's absolutely true. No
1: question. And I thought yeah.
3: the coverage in the secondary was okay. Uh, the Trey Hawkins defensive pass interference penalty, I see it both ways. There wasn't a grab there, so I get why some people would say, oh, let them play. But he also was draped over oh, Cooks' yeah. shoulder. He was. Yeah. He was. Cooks tries to jump, and he's basically holding him down yes. with his arm. So I honestly, would have thrown the flag. if I'm the official, I'm also yeah, throwing To me, the that was an so easy call. Yeah. So right. am I. It's right. unfortunate, but it happens. You had the illegal contact from Banks, which was, again, he did well initially chucking mm-hmm. michael gallup out of bounds he just did it for too long got called for that mm-hmm. uh and then trey hawkins had a couple of holding penalty defensive holding penalties as well and i thought those were good calls but you didn't see like huge plays in the passing game i thought the other thing i thought i noticed guys on tape and i'd like to get your take on it i thought the rain actually affected both passing games a lot i thought both quarterbacks were uncharacteristically off target in this game i thought they missed throws they would usually make and I thought receivers were dropping balls they would usually catch on both sides. Yeah. You know the pass by Daniel over the middle of the Hyatt. Yeah, was a little behind them, sure. But that's a p- pass that Hyatt could catch. Yes. Uh, Paris Campbell didn't come up with the ball. We mentioned a couple of the drops in the Cowboys' tight ends, mm-hmm. right? So I did think the passing games were inhibited a little bit by the rain that came in at the start of that game and really got heavy as the game. Was I a wonder ball. how
1: many uh, uh, bad snaps were affected. Well, the John the Michael Schmitz well, one, one could sure. have very well been, yeah, <laughs> impacted by the wetness. Yeah. I mean, I you know again. Bad failure in all three phases for the Giants, but I'm going to go back to one of your favorite phrases of all time: "Small sample size." So I'm not ready to say that there's a large gap between these two teams yet. It's one game. It's a small sample size. It happened. Well, keep in mind well, though, but, it's also two games last year.
3: Yeah. See, I'm
4: and taking. But this is, I'm, But I'm though. taking Again, into the consideration
1: had 28% years. Different players. No, I understand. Too. It's a I different understand. team, different year. I'm I'm not I'm not willing to do that. And that's why I laugh at the people who say, well, the last two games, Philadelphia playoffs, this Giants game, and they add the scores up together. No, twenty eight percent of this roster was turned over. Sure. Different team, different year. I'm not going to it's like having a hitting streak. You don't get a hitting streak that starts in August and goes all the way through the next May. It doesn't work that way. It's a new season. But I think you
3: understand a fan's point of view. When you haven't been able to beat this these pair, I of, these pair of teams for basically five years, you have not been able to beat them, and you lost the same exact way.
4: Yeah, it's the areas. It's the facets of the Correct. game that and keep it, popping up. And that was the, my point. And
3: that's the matchup thing, Lance, that I think is yeah. worrying, that you, yeah. mm-hmm. you're seeing the deficiencies in the same areas that – Gave you difficulty against the same team last year. Well,
4: because I mean, you look at the Eagles. I know the Giants haven't played the Eagles yet.
3: The talent on those two spots aren't isn't that much different.
1: Yeah, I think for me, sorry, Lance, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. I would only say this: what I saw last night is nothing like what we've seen over the first five weeks of training camp and preseason.
3: Well, yeah, but you haven't played a live opponent in a real game. We have not. They have not.
1: They have not. But I think, John, you know, we've all been around long enough to know that no matter if you picked the Cowboys last night or not, there's nobody, I don't care how many writers in Dallas who always pick Dallas every single Sunday, I don't care how many of them there were, none of them saw an epic Giants failure no, last night. look, this game... What happened was an aberration, this game does as far not, as I'm concerned, this, until they prove otherwise. This game does not define
3: the season. And look, it does I not. said it all week last week. I said whether, and this was my quote, whether the Giants blow out the Cowboys or the Cowboys blow, off, blow out the Giants... Weird things happen in week one. Don't take too much out of it.
1: Ask Joe Burrow. But I scored three points against Cleveland.
3: 100%. And the Rams, you know, double up Seattle. 100%. There's a million weird things that happen. So don't take too much out of this game, folks. We can look back in week 17 of this game and go, boy, that was a weird game. We can't explain what happened in that game at all. And I think that's exactly what we're going to do. But at the same time, when you're analyzing what a league looks like and how a division looks like, I think you're at the point now where You need to see the Giants do it now before you
1: believe that they're better. You know what I'm saying? Is that fair? That's fair. That's absolutely fair. The only evidence we have is what happened last night, and it wasn't good. And, And the recent history. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well,
4: that's what I go to. The reason is, the point I was going to make is that the Eagles are strong in similar areas to the Cowboys. So that's the logic that I'm applying, that if you can't handle your business in the trenches against Dallas, it's concerning about a future matchup with Philadelphia because, once again, similar concepts continue to arise. The other thing that was notable with respect to the opening drive where the Giants were effective in running the football, it just goes to show you, when you try to methodically move up and down the field with nine, 10 play drives, and you don't have that explosive play, and I understand the rain may have not made it conducive, negative things tend to happen, okay? And there you had it, where the false start came into play, and that was the domino effect now all of a sudden. The bad snap follows, the block field goal, and boom, just like that, the game changes.
1: They had to call a timeout. And they, really, yeah, they had personnel yeah. issues. Personnel issues. Yeah. Brian, Brian Dable issue, talked about that. Personnel issues. A yeah. timeout. Sure. Then you get the false start. Then you get the bad snap. Then you get the blocked field goal for a touchdown. Four consecutive yeah. negative scenarios sure. yeah. that compiled one on top of the other on top of the other, and all of a sudden now the scoreboard says you're behind.
3: And then Lance, I'll just give you a chance to talk about this before you get to your calls at one three And this is why I think the loss, especially the. Um, extent of the loss is a, is a little bit fluky you're not going to have many games where you fumble the ball five times fortunate to just lose one of those fumbles yeah. by the way Yeah. you have two interceptions one's returned for a touchdown and you have a blocked field goal that's returned for a touchdown you do that in a game
4: that's the jackpot and
3: by the way if you do that next week against Arizona you're going to lose to them by 20 no. <laughs> I don't care who yeah. you're playing if you have five fumbles two picks and a blocked field goal you're losing to college teams Correct. okay that's how bad that is. So you talk about shooting yourself in the footlands and opportunities. The Giants also had more penalties for more yards than Dallas in this game. You can't make those types of mistakes. Now Dallas forced them in some of those stakes, of course, but you just can't even fathom being competitive in an NFL game if you look at those types of ball protection issues.
4: And listen, Micah Parsons is cut from a very different cloth. Okay, the man was getting double teamed, and he was still pushing two guys back and finding ways to slither through You're talking about playing to get against against after Thomas Daniel Bredesen, Jones. Right when he yeah. got him into it, it was crazy. Great. Well, I mean, it really made no difference who the combination was. So the encouraging aspect is the Arizona Cardinals are not the Dallas Cowboys' defensive front. So things are going to be different from that standpoint. Correct. But what it further highlights is, and this is where I'll bring back the Giants' pass rush. Whether or not Dallas gave them opportunities to do damage. In this league, you need at least one individual that's going to put the fear in the eyes of the opposition and a coordinator. Because I would argue Andrew Thomas's false start was a product of Micah being on his side oh, sure and giving him something to think mm, about. Absolutely, okay. I so you need a that's disruptor a and a game changer. Is. Correct, but I think we have yet to see that come to fruition for the Giants, is my point.
1: Not after one game we
3: didn't. No. I, I think Dexter Lawrence can be that type of player, but the problem is the position that he plays a nose tackle. In the interior. It does, I think, limit that type of impact. Yeah, because
4: I don't think Dexter is making Tyron Smith shifty before the snap.
3: Yeah, or or the center doing a false snap or something Correct. like that. Right? But if
4: Kayvon Thibodeau or Aziz Ojalari and this goes back to what we talked about in the offseason, season get to that consistent level, yeah, that's sure. when you give some food for thought for the opposing offensive well, line.
1: There's one thing to be glad about, fellas, and that is the injury report was somewhat mild. Again Thomas Well we should the, mention Thomas, Thomas and the with a hamstring. Thomas with the yep. with the hammy and and Waller who experienced some hammy issues, but neither guy in the locker room afterwards seemed to think it was that serious. Thomas did say there would be tests They'd have to test him learn. today. Yeah. yeah, correct. But that would be the only thing that would have made the night worse is if there were guys who actually knocked out and we know they're going to miss time.
4: That would have been worse. Sure. I mean, you definitely want to hold up, especially this early in the season, given, for example, J.K. Dobbins went down with a season-ending injury for the Ravens. It's the nature of the beast. That's it. Though I did find it interesting. Waller gave a little bit more of an explanation after the game with the hamstring issue, and he said it was a nerve problem. It
3: wasn't muscular. More so than a
4: muscle. Yeah, which was a little interesting. I don't know
3: anything about that. Not a doctor, so I don't even know what to say to that, to be honest with
4: you. I just, that caught my attention. The other thing was he did confirm, if I heard him correctly, that it is the same hamstring he string say that yes. and he had a
3: problem with last season. But he also said it's not nearly as serious as it was last And
1: they're working on what they need to do to maintain him and to yeah. make sure he can get on the field.
4: And that's just, all I would say is You just want to hope that that holds up and it's something to monitor at least. And listen, he knows his body better than anybody. But given the fact that he confirmed it is the same hamstring that sidelined him last season, you just want to be on top of that so that, God forbid, there's no setbacks, especially in the early stages of the season. I'd rather
1: he have one bad
3: leg than two. Well, Come on, you got to make them. Yeah, look, you got to make sure Andrew Thomas is good too. Because if yeah. you have an issue on that left side now, then you got real yeah. issues you have to consider. And Matt Parr went down in the game too, so right, yeah. we don't. Did know you, how did you notice Azudu had to finish Zudu the game? The at tackle I was literally about to say that right? Josh Azudu with the finish, and he got wasn't great as you might imagine, because he hasn't really played there. It's not the kid's fault. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that's how thin they were. So you wonder if we'll get a practice squad call-up at some point uh, over the course of the week.
4: Yeah. Well, and the other reason why these injuries are important to note is, coming up, you got a Sunday game and then a Thursday yeah. game. So you oh. have a very quick turnaround. So you have to say to yourself, if you're the Giants coaching staff, how do you navigate yeah, these next two games? Yeah, you're
3: hamstrings, will a guy even be able to play with that from a Sunday to a Thursday? Exactly. So then do you have Which to Which one do choose? you prioritize? Right. Correct.
4: You know, and I understand all of us would agree on paper, okay, you'd risk them not playing against Arizona so that they could be ready for the Niners, given San Francisco brings a defensive front and disruptors very similar to Dallas. Yeah, but coaches
3: don't look at it that no, way. No, and they no, shouldn't. They and, and I they don't shouldn't. think they should. They because right. right now I don't think the Giants are in a position to take any matchup for granted. Not, not, not way, after no. that performance. Not the way no. they played in week so. one. Absolutely. No. 201-939-4513. Run or walk with Giants Legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K racing kids run presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th at 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative T-shirt after the race day for a post-race festival with appearances by Giants Legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. And don't forget... The schedule is out, folks. You want to go see the Giants? Single game tickets are on sale now. Go to Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. All right, let's get to the phones. 201-939-4513. I guess we're going to be the therapy hotline today, and that's okay. That's why we're here. Let's go to Kevin in West Palm. He'll lead us off today. Kevin, what's going on?
5: Oh, guys. this is. Uh, I'm going to try to not make this a therapy session if I can. Okay, please. That would be nice. Yeah, it was just very, very disappointing. Um, I do have a couple of questions for you both coming out of that game. Because sure. I think everybody's thinking about this offensive line and, and kind of not just the Andrew Thomas injury, but you know just in terms of how Evan Neal played, um, how Glowinski played. I mean, uh, there was some stat I saw that they both were like ranking in the absolute bottom or like bottom three of, uh, of tackles and guards yesterday in terms of drop back pressure. And somebody had made the recommendation, what if you moved Neal on the inside to guard because he's a little bit more stocky, and then you were able to go out and get a right tackle. But then I've also remembered you guys saying, well, you know, getting tackles, <laughs> uh, you know, and training for them at this point in the season is really tough. Too. Yeah, Kevin, I would Sorry. just
3: say this: we have not seen Evan Neal take one snap at guard in a practice in anything. So okay. I, I don't really think, and that I don't really think that's an option. They drafted him to be a tackle. They still think he can succeed there. That's where he's gonna be. And okay. you're also throwing right. him
4: into the mix during a regular season when you haven't experimented in the offseason, too. That's Kev- something they could say. And
3: Kevin, to your point, you're right. They really, especially depending on what the Matt Perrett injury is, they really don't have anyone to replace him at right tackle, no. I'm literally on the 53 man roster right now. So, no. what's your second point?
5: Um, yeah, my second point was it comes down to coaching. Now, I saw some people on Twitter um, and some you know, uh, journalists and analysts as well said, well, you know, Ben McAdoo had a, a nice winning season, too, and they went to the playoffs, and they got destroyed by the Packers. And, you know, this is a little reminiscent of that. The Giants went on. I mean, Dable got coach of the year, and they, they went into this season, you know, going, suffering from a huge loss against Dallas. I'm sorry, against the Eagles in the playoffs, and now we're kind of here, too. I mean, this team looks so well-prepared. Are we facing a McAdoo situation all over again? So my question to you guys is, how much of this do you think went into coaching preparation Versus the players just mentally or physically not being able to match up. And uh, I'll take the call off you got.
3: Thank you, Kevin. Look, to me, I don't, I don't think this is a lack of preparation. I mean, does, does a field goal get blocked because the team's not prepared properly? They're not, you know, coaching up how to block a field goal block. I don't, to me, this is not a, a coaching deal. What? They, they weren't coaching the guys of, of, of how to, they've been preparing the Cowboys for these stunts and twists for weeks. Uh-huh. I've seen them do it in practice. I no mean, doubt. they've been coaching these guys to get ready. The,
1: the Cowboys were just better. Hey, yeah. Barkley took it on himself for the second touchdown. He said he should have never let that ball get out of his hands. Yeah, and by the way, David made the point, too. The players got outplayed and the coaches got
3: outcoached, right? So it's not like the coaches did a good job. Obviously, the, the Cowboys got the better of them as well. But you guys know me. You've called the show enough times. To me, it always comes down to the players on the field more than it does to coaching. Especially, yeah. look, in a 40-0 game, everybody's accountable to a certain extent. You can point your fingers but, anywhere. Yeah, but, Giants did yeah.
1: not check one box last night. No, they really didn't. Okay, let's make that clear. They did not check one box across the board. This was an empty page, and it stunk. I'm I'm still inclined to think that at the moment, it's a small sample size. I'm not going to panic.
4: Well, and I don't disagree with you, Paul. I'm just saying that if they wind up having a much better performance against Arizona, it's a product of the opponent more so than a complete flip of the script is what I'm saying. The 49 game to,
3: is the next test. Yeah, I think That's you have to take into
4: test. consideration the caliber of the competition similar to Dallas before you say, okay, it's a small sample size.
1: I didn't say anything about what happens in Arizona. I'm simply saying one game is a small sample size, yeah, as you yeah. always say. Sure. That's all it is. I don't care what the score is against Arizona next week. All that means if the Giants win is that they're one and one. I'm, I'm not... I'm not into this whole thing about points uh, earned for how badly you win. No, well that doesn't matter. points are lost by how badly you lose. It doesn't matter. If you're one and one, you're one and one. That's it, I don't care. Yeah, I'm
4: just taking the matchup into consideration because I think what the NFL has proven is it's a matchup based league, right? Yeah. So that's why you see sometimes one week you look great, the next week you look awful, right? Correct. So my point is- They don't
1: play Dallas again for quite a long time. I
4: understand that, but my point is it's a product of who you played. So, therefore, you've got to be cautious in terms of takeaways from another opponent if you look that much better. That's all. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm
3: not going there, though.
4: So now, no, I understand you don't want to go there, but that's my point.
3: He, that's what I'm saying. Here, okay. are the, here are the two things I will say. You're not going to have another game this year with the Giants fumble it five times, throw so two interceptions no. are going to feel a yeah. That's not going to happen again. Uh, you would not think so.
4: Or a game in the rain like this, too.
3: Uh, he, he, here, I think, is a fair place to go, Paul. How this team now performs against one of the other three elite teams from the NFC last year in two weeks is going to be telling. You. And man, and the
1: Niners looked great yesterday. Because if you have, and again,
3: it's not going to be in the 4-0 game. But if you is if it's like a you know thirty one to thirteen game, then you're going to have these same questions all over again because you're going against another upper, upper echelon team with an excellent pass rush. to Lance was playing with the matchups, right? And that'll test to see whether or not they maybe corrected some of their shoes against Dallas and mm-hmm. whether or not it truly was a one-off or if this is more of a trend that we have to keep an eye on over the course of the season. I think no that's doubt. the point Lance was Yeah,
4: taking. I mean, you got Nick Bosa who led the NFL in sacks. You got Javon Hargrave who already is familiar with the Giants and they San are from, from Philly an and Eric elite, Armstead.
1: They are an elite team. They are one of the top-shelf teams in the league, not just the sure. NFC. Well,
4: but I would say Dallas has an elite defense.
1: Well, they're obviously up there, too, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
4: Just okay. So my point is, so, if so you had I'm trouble... Yeah, so, I'm so all honest. I'm saying is, if you have trouble no, with Dallas, see, yeah. there could be some concerns about San Francisco right now. guess my point, this. Every yeah.
1: coach will tell you that you want to play your best ball near the end of the season. Well, this is the Giants' low point right now. And if this is the basement of how they play, and every week they get better, by the end of the season, we'll see who they play in the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe. Well, I mean, play I'm down. not
4: entertaining the playoffs right now. I'm just talking about my a matchup is, between Dallas and how that relates to San Francisco. My point That's
1: is, all. My point is, I'm not ready to make any general generalizations about what the Giants are after this one horrific no, no, game. No, no and, of course not. Of course not. And, yeah, and, and we're and, not doing and,
3: that. All I'm and I not is, g- is that is that your I guess the point I'm trying to make. I don't know if Lance is too, but I think. How you look at this first game is going to be determined by what happens in the third game. Because if you see a lot of the same problems, then you sit there and you say, well, maybe it wasn't a freak thing. Maybe it wasn't a one-off. Yeah, That's the point I think we're trying to make. You know what I'm
1: saying? Yeah, their competitiveness or lack thereof against San Francisco is more important than how badly they win or lose against Arizona. Well, lose, losing badly to losing, Arizona. Losing not to be Arizona, oh, that yeah. would be good. Yeah. That's not good. But, no, no, I you're right.
3: That would be terrible. That would be terrible. But, but I understand your point. Yes. I understand. I, yes. I will
4: say this, though. I didn't see that <laughs> yes. game last night, and I'm not questioning the effort of any of the players. No,
3: of course not. Nothing I think it was
4: just they were completely all. out-executed. It was, ex- it was an I saw, execution Yeah, thing. I saw I'm guys go out there. You know, I know a lot of people like to run with, well, you know, there's the opener. They should have played with more pride and this and that. It had nothing to do with that. It was the fact that Dallas was better in every single facet of the game. You can bring
3: out the most totally. you can bring out the most prideful groups group of guys in the world. If they're not no? up to beating guys physically, then and mentally, it's not gonna happen.
4: Well, you're gonna tell me that Ben Bredesen and Andrew Thomas and all these other guys that went up against Micah Parsons weren't worked up and looking forward no, to the challenge. It was work just work the fact that yeah, it was the fact that <laughs> Micah Parsons okay has physical, God-gifted skill sets that are very different from what they can present, and that's how you separate the men from the boys in the National Football League.
3: And by the way, we talked about Gilmore last week. He looked pretty darn good in that yeah, game. Yeah, well, that was, was a terrific. great pick. Even he, though Daniel Jones made terrific. a bad throw, it was a great pick. He was terrific last night. And then Diggs, they caught a couple of passes on him, but then what, is, what does Trayvon Diggs do? mm mm-hmm. Causes takeaways, right? Mm-hmm. And he was in the middle of two, t- uh, the forced fumble on um, Podgins, right? And then yep. he was in the middle. Correct, of the yeah, he punched it out. Bar. Yeah. Yep. So.
4: Well, I mean, look, they had an undrafted player from two years ago, Wanye Thomas, leap over the line yeah, to block the field goal. I mean, that guy, he wasn't one of their main mm-hmm. defensive players. That's one of those plays above the X's and O's, right? And I was listening to what he had to say after the game. He indicated that they picked something up on film that oh, really? they noticed. Interesting. And his teammates reminded him, hey, if there's an opening where you think you can make a jump, take advantage of that. That's what he indicated.
3: Well, interesting. I'll have to go listen to that. That's yeah. how corrections have to get made. Sure. 201-939-4513. Shane is in Georgia. He's up next. Shane, what's going on? Hey, this is James in Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry, James. It rhymes with Shane, at least. We got, we got close. Oh, well, nothing much. Um, So uh, this is a therapy session a little bit. That's okay. What do you got? Um,
2: I know, you know, last week I called and <clears throat> told y'all about, you know, having to beat Dallas and it being mental and having some pride about yourself. But y'all kind of just hit on it where – uh, we are we picking from a different talent pool than Dallas? Are y'all telling me that Dallas has a team full of men and we have a team full of boys? Because at some point you have to have some pride about yourself, and if you say you have that Giants pride in you, then coming to beat Dallas, waking up with that extra gumption that you're not going to get, let this team beat you no matter who's out there, that has something to do with it. These guys are professional athletes, and pride has a and and want to and will has a lot to do with what goes on out there. You know what I'm saying? They don't. And if you say that I'm oh I'm just here for the paycheck, you're not gonna be here long. Well, you James. James well, to- let me ask
4: you this though: Saquon Barkley, okay? When Trayvon Diggs makes the nice play and knocks the ball out, how exactly did pride or the lack thereof come into that play? I, I just want to understand not, where you're it's coming from.
2: Trayvon Diggs said you're, guilt, you're not going any further. I want that ball, and and Saquon said I made a good game. Let's do some, you know, let's go down, and he went and got the ball. He played above the axis and those. Yeah, like but it was a say. bang
4: bang play. I, I'm just curious, what what exactly should have Saquon done? You're talking about making a move. It was a bang bang play. If you go back and watch that video, Diggs comes at Barkley immediately the second he's about to turn around. Diggs is right there.
2: Squeeze that ball until it pops and you have a flat ball to the referee. You will not have this ball, sir. And the other guy said, This is the New York Giants. I'm, we beat them all the time. I'm taking that ball. What happened? He took it. He wanted it and he took it. Saquon got his game. He could have held on to the ball. He didn't. It was a wet day. I get that. You know what I'm saying? But. Yeah, but no, I, I guess, James, but my question for you do you think.
3: Do you think Saquon really didn't want to hold on to the ball a lot? I mean, <laughs> I think he wanted to hold on to the ball.
2: Not at all. We didn't want to get blown out. You know what I'm saying? But Michael Parsons, who rent-free in the Giants' head, just said, "We're beating y'all 40 there's nothing. There's nothing y'all can do about it." And the rest of them said, "All right." You know what I mean? At some point, you have to fight back. Just like all right, all right. Listen. I don't know if y'all fight fans like uh, Adesanya just lost to somebody who wasn't he wasn't supposed to lose to, right? At some point, the guy who uh, Strickland said, "Look." I'm gonna, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm gonna beat you. And the pride in them took over. These athletes, that's a part of the game. You know what I mean? And you just can't say, well, this doubt, I just got here to New York. Uh, I don't have, you know, it really doesn't mean that much to me when they work out together in the off season and they talk trash to um, to each other in the off season and then it's time to play the game. and And after the first play, he beats you like a drum. And he, start, he gets up, boy, it's going to be a long day. There
3: ain't
1: nothing you can do about it. All right. Says, well, James, thanks, James, James. thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, yeah. bud. I, I, think, I think he needs to to look up uh, the definition of pride in the dictionary because what we saw last night was an epic failure by all three units where nobody checked any boxes. That does not equate to pride necessarily. Pride pride is a totally different animal than absolutely laying an egg you can I be mean, sh- prideful and still get your butt whooped and that's what happened. 100 sure that's what happened yeah look every one of us here at the table and everybody out there listening to this program has gotten up in the morning stumped their toe dropped their rice krispies on the floor spilled milk on the table gone outside maybe hit the garage door with their fender then tried to drive to work ran a stop sign got a ticket and had one of those days where every single thing went wrong and snowballed. Keep me away from you in the morning. It's happened to every <laughs> one of us. Come on. No, you I know don't. what I'm talking I about. I know. I just making a joke. Sometimes, it's a spider web of issues. Sometimes, okay, that snowball starts in the morning and it goes all day. And by the end of the day, you just say to yourself, man, how did I have this day from hell? Well, that's what happened to the Giants last night. It was a night from hell. It happened. If they've got pride, we will now test that over the course of the week to see how will they bounce back mentally, emotionally, and physically in terms of their preparation and then what they put out on the field Sunday. That will be a better test of pride than anything that happened during four quarters last night.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. I just, the last comments from the last caller, I don't understand how Micah Parsons lives rent-free in the Giants. Did you hear the offensive lineman talking all week about, we're worried about Micah Parsons, this and that about Micah Parsons?
3: I
1: think he's just really good, and he kind of does this against all the NFL teams, not just the New York football Giants. And we're leaving out Dan Quinn here, too. He did a great job. Sure, he did a great great job. He puts the guys in the position. By the way,
3: I looked it up. By the way, Parsons uh, spent 15 times on the left side, 18 on the right side, and eight times in the middle of the line. Everywhere. So they moved around all over the place,
1: which is what we expected. Yep, we all expected that because
4: Dan Quinn also did that a little bit in the past too. So I don't think Mm -hmm. that's surprising. The other thing is, Micah Parsons and Saquon Barkley are very good friends because they're both Penn State products. Saquon helped Micah get to Penn State. Mm -hmm. So just because they're close, does that mean that Saquon doesn't have enough pride that he brought to MetLife Stadium last night? I mean, I just, I don't get whether there's substance behind that argument. To me, that's just, let me find ways to justify why the game was so lopsided and let me try to enter the mental realm, which is taking it very deep where I don't think there's a lot of weight.
3: Yeah, a lot of people put things in the will and motivation and all this stuff. Sometimes it's just a matter of who's better. On the field overreaction Monday, day. right? Yep, right, John. That's o- what it comes o- down overreaction to. Overreaction week one, the way it That's is it. every year. Everyone freaks out about. It. I mean, you don't think Bengal fans are losing their minds right now about losing to the to, to the Browns? Joe I mean, Burrow and company scored are. three points. They had less than yeah. hundred yards passing in the game.
4: Well, and they had a rough performance in the opener
3: last year too against the Steelers. All right, let's we're gonna go to Austin, Bengals hotline. Florida let's get the phone number. <laughs> Bengals hotline. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Austin in Florida on line two. There, Dom. He's up next. Austin, what's up? Hey there, how's it going, guys? We're good, Austin. What do you got for us today?
0: Um, I want to talk about the offensive scheme. Um, sure. To me, you guys definitely know better, but last night, uh, the amount of pre-snap motions that took place, I want to say has to be at least double uh, what was put on display last year in the full season. Would you say that's more of a Kafka scheme or more of like a Dable kind of scheme?
3: If you look back to what they did in their two spots, that's more of a Kansas City
1: thing than a Buffalo thing, at least yeah. in my opinion, Paul. You agree with I, that? I concur. They they are more motion-heavy in Kansas City.
4: Also, Kansas City had a lot of small speedsters, which mm-hmm. is yeah. somewhat similar personnel-wise to and what the Giants have. a tight end similar to Travis Kelsey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it just, I, I don't know. It, it kind of bothered me a little bit because it almost in a way felt like I was watching the 2018 Chicago Bears and the type of offense that Matt Nagy... Was yeah, well, he's
4: another there. former Kansas City assistant who's now back with the team.
0: Right, right, right. And I just, I don't know, it just baffles me with, you know, the 12 personnel that they're running with Waller and Bellinger. I, it's just, it's, it's so much trading and there's so many, um, you know, fake motions to read the coverage if they're in man, if they're in zone. It's just it's just so much going on pre-snap and I think that, you know, it it, it kind of it dilutes it for the players, you know. It's it just snap count assignment, you know, snap count assignments, but you got so much going on pre-snap, it it takes away from the purpose of what you're trying to do and that's go north and south, you know.
1: You think that hurts the 49ers offense?
0: I think if you have the right personnel, um it works, but Clearly, we don't because we didn't even put a single point up.
3: Yeah, and, and by the way, I, I was I want to look up the actual numbers. But when I rewatched the tape, I didn't feel like there was an inordinate amount of pre-snap motion in this particular game. And the Giants, at least this is, this is PFS tracking, they had the Giants with pre-snap shift or motion percentage on 35 of their 70 snaps. That's 50% of the plays that only ranked 18th in the league. So that's in the bottom half of the league in terms of pre-snap motion. So I don't think that's really an issue. And the reason you use some of that pre-snap motion stuff is because you're trying to put the defense in a bad situation, mm-hmm. A, to your point, and you're right about this, you're trying to figure out what kind of coverage they're in, and you can use motion to figure that out. Yep. But you're also trying to create numbers and angles with their linebackers and defensive backs yep. to get guys on the move to create advantages pre-snap, which makes it easier for your guys to then either get open or or execute the play that they're trying to do on, on that particular snap.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, last night, like you guys kind of said, it, it might have been a fluke, hopefully by week 17. That's what we're saying. But I, it just, it was such a sluggish offense that, like, there was just way too much going on.
4: Well, I mean, I think, once again, I appreciate the phone call. I think it was a product of when you don't handle your business up front. You know, you could add all the bells and whistles you want, but those bells and whistles are not going to pay off because. Within a fraction of a second of the snap, you already have penetration into the backfield.
1: The one thing that, that we keep forgetting, and I know it's hard sometimes to remember it because of the whole body of work was just so difficult to digest. When a narrative has been established, and you remember this, fellas, because I talked to both of you guys during the week, and I said, Look, if the Giants get that running game going, which I expect that they will, and I think they'll hamper Dallas's run game, they'll control the narrative... The tempo of the game and the style of the game. And you'll know by halftime if the Giants are in really good shape. They're going to be able to dictate how this game's going to go. Well, that also works in reverse because by 16, nothing, and then 26 nothing, John, right? It was 26 nothing at one mm-hmm. point. Yep. Well, guess what? Dallas by that point had totally controlled the, the narrative of the game. Anything that you want to complain about at that point. It's too late because the avalanche has already crashed down on you. So nothing that happened after that point in the game can be considered something that you're going to pick apart and say, well, that's what the Giants are. Because the narrative and the storyline had already been established. They are in desperation mode. They're getting their heads handed to them. And at that point, they're not going to do anything that they would normally try to do because they're simply they're simply been shell-shocked. They've, they've been absolutely buried in 15 feet of snow. Well, the script was thrown out the window. That's it. By
4: the time the score got That's lopsided, it. right? Anything the Giants had planned on offense, I guarantee you if you has Dable and Kafka, in it's, the garbage.
1: It's 26 nothing. Game plans and strategies oh, at yeah. that point hey, mean look.
3: nothing. And guys, nothing. Beyond game flow here, I, I, I th- when I went through the game this morning, I kept track of this, but I thought it was interesting, okay? The Giants had 12 drives in the game, all right? On the first drive, the Cowboys did not have a sack. Giants drove down had a missed field goal. Cowboys had a sack on the Giants' second drive. Cowboys had a sack on the Giants' third drive. There was no sack on the Giants' fourth drive. The next play was a one-play drive that was an interception, so I'll throw that one out. Cowboys had a sack on the Giants' sixth drive, a sack on their seventh drive, two sacks on their eighth drive. So you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, five out of the Giants' first seven drives throwing that one-play drive with the interception out the window. Five of the Giants' first seven drives, the Cowboys had a sack.
4: Yeah, and that's a negative play.
3: How are... If you look at the statistics, the, the chance of you scoring on a drive in which you get sacked once, it's really, really low. You're in, like, the 10% area, I think. So it gets very hard. And then, by the way, the next drive, you have an offensive holding penalty. The next play is the one-play drive with a the fumble. Then you have a sack and an offensive holding penalty on the next drive. And then on the last drive, you had an offensive holding penalty. So literally, aside from the two drives that were one play long, the Giants had only two drives all game where the Cowboys did not have a sack or force, or force an offensive holding penalty. Your offense simply cannot
1: function when that is the case. Right. So strategy and game planning is not relevant here. Dallas had, to their credit, to their credit, Dallas had totally stolen the narrative of the game. They dictated what was going to happen last night. I am going to go back to when we got all the calls, when Jason Gowers, the offensive coordinator, everyone
3: called and said, you know, offensive coordinator? That'll fix everything. All the problems will be solved. And my answer was this. Not that Jason Garrett was a great play caller and offensive coordinator. My point was, if you don't get the fundamentals right and give your quarterback a chance to succeed, it's not going to matter who your offensive coordinator is. And we saw that in this game. If you cannot protect and your quarterback is constantly under siege and you're literally giving up a sack in every single possession except for two over the course of a game, you have zero Chance. That's how you get shut out in a game. Well, and
4: to piggyback off of your numbers, I'll bring in the third down, down in distance into the conversation, okay? okay? And this is stemming from the negative plays. Half of their third downs were for eight yards or more, including they had two for 19 yards and one for 15. Guys, it's no coincidence. They were five of eight on third downs for seven yards or less, they were 0 for eight on third downs for eight yards or more. They did not convert one third down for eight yards or more. I would say that is, once again, going into the Cowboys putting the Giants into precarious spots, and now all of a sudden the Giants not having as many options on offense because you're not going to go for the home run under those circumstances. You're just hoping to keep your head above water so you do some damage control at
3: that point. I'll give it to you. The Giants converted five third downs in the game. I have it right here. They converted a third and one. Yep. They converted a third and one. They converted a third and five. They converted a third and one. And they converted a third and three. Yep. All right. What's the theme there? Five yards or less. Four of yep. them were three All yards manageable. or less. Well, here are their uh-huh. failures seven, 10, 19, 2, 12, 15, 3, 12, 9, 8, 19. Those are their failures. And. This goes back to,
4: I think it was actually the Monday Labor Day program where the question was posed, what can't go wrong in order for the Giants to be able to stay steady? And one of the things we talked about was the interior of the Giants offensive line because, and I understand it's one game. I'm not saying that this is an indication of what's going to happen, but it's an example of you could talk about Jalen Hyatt and the speed he brings to the table. And a vertical threat. You could talk to me about Darren Waller and what he could do to take attention away from other individuals that work the middle of the field and Wondell Robinson when he's healthy. If Daniel Jones can't have enough time to give those guys a chance to get down the field, what are we talking about here?
3: And by the way, on that first drive that everyone said was so great, it really was in a sneaky way showing... Fans, what was going to happen later in the game?
1: Jones right. scrambled three times. to yeah, so move down the
3: field. Barkley had five rushes for 19 yards. Okay, that's pretty good. Four mm-hmm. yards a carry. Right. I'll take that. That's it's fine. It's right. good. Right. Jones had 27 yards rushing the football. These were not read options. No. These were not designed runs. No. These were Daniel Jones running for his life because the pocket was collapsing. Now, that can work in, to your point, small sample sizes. Yeah. When that becomes the feature... And not the we have to do this once in a while, that's when you're one of the problems.
1: Well, once it was 16 0 already, after again, Dallas's offense only had nine snaps, their defense no longer had to play honest. No, they, knew, just, they knew it was a one sided deal. Upfield, 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 upfield. And there that's was it. no doubt the Giants, to in order to control the narrative of this game, they had to run the ball, be physical, and keep Dallas's defense honest and respectful. Dallas's defense at that point was basically in a landslide going downhill. There was nothing you were going to be able to do to stop them. No, Once and, the game and, got out of hand, no, the Cowboys oh, you want to run for five yards on this We
3: don't play care. Whatever. Go ahead. We don't do care. We'll
4: whatever. get a sack to then pack you up another seven. No doubt. And you'll yeah. be in
3: a third and long. No or, doubt. or it'll yeah. take you eight and a half minutes to drive for a touchdown. You're still down. Yeah, you don't four, have the time and, and the luxury the to do that. To do yeah, it. 100%. Yeah. 201-939-4513. Go subscribe to the Giants Settle podcast. We have a rapid reaction with Madeline Howard up uh, right now. Tomorrow, I will be with Sean O'Harris, so go subscribe to the John Settle podcast on your favorite podcast platform giants.com slash podcast and the giants app also giant season tickets are still on sale go to giants.com slash tickets limited inventory is available let's go back to the phones and say what's up to todd in texas todd i imagine you're not having a very fun morning in the state of texas today my friend
6: negative that's a big negative yeah um i wanted to tell you guys at some point well first of all thanks for what you guys do you guys are always Always great. Thank Um, you. Even after a big loss like this, I'm sure it's hard to get out there and talk about it. But um, at what point – I know it's overreaction week one. At what point in the season or during Evan Neal's career do we start to realize, okay, maybe it's just not going to work out?
3: I think you have to see progress throughout this season. I think if we get to the end of the year and he looks like the exact same player he looked at the end of last year – I think that's when you start having some concerns.
4: Yeah, especially since he wasn't fully healthy for the majority of last season. I think you'd like to see also him operate on the yeah. field consistently and to also what? make that judgment. I
3: won't even say end of the season. I'll be a little more aggressive. If you get to the bye, right? And that's late in the year, right? That's the first week of December. If you get to the bye and you haven't seen some significant improvement, like we saw from Andrew Thomas in year number two as he went along, I think that's when you start trying to figure out
1: how we can try to fix things. Fair, Paul? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The arrow has to show some incline. Some incline. He doesn't have to be, you know, dynamite by the end of the season because we always say three years. Yeah. Right? We always say three years. Your third year needs to be your breakout year. That's the rule of thumb. But there has to be an incline.
3: And Todd, I'm not saying you're saying this, but I just want to point out it, it wasn't just Evan Neal yesterday. No, that was the problem either. It, not at all. No, no.
6: Yeah. 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 <laughs> had a bad night too. Um as far as Evan, or I'm sorry, as far as Andrew Thomas's injuries know, do you guys know anything about that, about the hamstring? Or-
3: not yet. We haven't heard from Brian Dable today, and even when we do, something tells me he's not yeah. going to be very forthcoming about the Andrew Thomas injury. That's just kind of the way he is. So, Todd, my guess is that we probably won't have any idea until we see that Wednesday injury report and what his practice status is. would Would be my guess. For
1: those of you who did not stay up late after the game, we did talk about it on the radio post game. And he spoke in the locker room. He did. Mm-hmm. He got dressed. He showered. He got dressed. He was standing in front of the media and spoke at his locker. He was not in the back getting treatment for an elongated period of time, which is what usually happens when guys have a serious injury. Same thing with Waller. He was out
3: very quickly. Remember, though, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. He could have gotten treatment in the end of the game, too. That is always possible. I don't know the answer to that. We do
1: not know the answer to that. The only physical eyewitness evidence we have is that he did stand at his locker very shortly after the game and take questions and then walk under his own power. He did not seem like he was in distress and did not spend an inordinate amount of time after the game getting treated. And I think that's that's something you have to consider.
4: Remember, it's the Belichickian school of thought that Brian Dable subscribes to. So I think the injury report will probably be the best indication how much participation Andrew Thomas has this week.
3: It's, it's called need to know, and they don't think any of us need to know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or the opponent, too, I should yeah, say. Of course, 100%. Yeah,
6: 100%.
3: Todd, you got anything else for us?
6: Yeah, my last question. Um, this next game against Cardinals, thank God, um, we have, we have. I don't want to say it's a half to a must-win game, but coming up at right after that in San Francisco, I feel like we need a big morale booster. Obviously, I mean that's kind of that's kind of obvious, but I mean, what kind of game are you expecting after the Giants playing a game like this? Are you expecting a thumper on Arizona? Are you expecting something that's going to be something kind of close? I mean, I feel like if we went out and put it on them, I mean, it would make us all feel a lot better, obviously, going into San Francisco. But I'll take you guys' answer off here. Thank you guys so much.
3: No, thank you, Ty. And look, you go back last few years. I mean, the Giants, if you could probably go back to almost 2019, I think the only game they've really blown out an opponent is the game against the Colts last year. All mm-hmm. the other wins they've had have pretty much been close over the last two, three seasons. I mm-hmm. have to go back and look at the schedule, but that sounds about right to me off the top of my head. So this isn't really – the way we've seen this team so far, it's not in their nature to run away from teams and blow them out. They've tended to play some close games. So, And, look, Arizona showed they had some fighting up against Washington last week. Yeah. They held up against a, a pretty good Washington defense, and they did okay. So, look, I think – don't again, you, you guys made this point earlier. You aren't getting, you know, uh, quality points here on how you win the game. No. Just go out there, play clean football, protect your quarterback – Look like you have an efficient offense that has a plan and, and kind of knows what they're doing, and you're efficient. It's going to be good weather. You're in a dome in Arizona. You're not going to have any problems there. Mm-hmm. And look like that team that had that one preseason drive to, to go out there and, and try to win the football game.
1: Whatever the score winds up, because we know the scores can be deceiving, you want them to sh- go out and beat. The Cardinals. Yeah, play well. Go out there and play well and beat them. Whatever the score turns out to be, you want to know that after those four quarters are in the books that they deserve to win the game.
4: Remember, the Cardinals had a defensive score against Washington because yes, of a turnover, and yes, that's a big swing of momentum. So, I mean, it goes without saying... You can't duplicate what you did against Dallas because when you let a team like Arizona hang around with a Josh Dobbs-led offense where he doesn't have an overwhelming amount of starting experience, it could change field position. So I would say right here, the preliminary take is, and I would agree with you, John, you cannot give gifts to Arizona. As long as you avoid giving gifts to Arizona, you should be in good shape. You start giving gifts to them, that's when all of a sudden that becomes a very dangerous game.
3: Hey, look, and we're not going to sit here and obviously, you know, talk about, you know, how great the talent is on Arizona they're a rebuilding franchise they trade away a lot of the good players in the offseason they're not overly talented sure but they have young guys that are trying hard we have a new coaching staff and look you don't know what they have a couple playmakers on offense right they have Rondell Moore who's a fast player yeah. Hollywood Brown. Brown's a fast sure. player yeah you know Dobbs is a competent backup NFL quarterback that's starting for Bakers in
1: the defense James yeah. Connor's
3: a good running back yeah. so look there are some players that, mm-hmm. that you got to worry about so To Lance's point, you go out there, you play your game, you play well, you're the more talented roster, you're going to go out there and win the game. And that's what you need to do. You need to make sure that you show on the field that you are the more talented roster. Play to the
1: level of your roster. Don't play to the level you played the other night. Six, simple.
4: six sacks for the Arizona Cardinals yesterday yep. against Sam Howell. So, I mean, Two that's noticeable. Yeah. Now, right? Howell, like Daniel Jones, is mobile. He's an athlete. So that's a product of leading to sacks. So I think that's why that number is something not to overlook. And here's the other factor. You know, if we're going to bring coaching into the mix, Jonathan Gannon has been the Eagles' defensive coordinator for the last few years. Mm-hmm. I know the Giants have changed some personnel, but he is familiar with a, bulk, a boatload of those offensive linemen. So you just wonder... Based on what he saw Dallas do, how much does he say to himself, well, this worked with Philadelphia. I understand he doesn't have all those Eagles guys no, up front, but no, just something to monitor because of how close he is to having played the Giants last season.
3: Two oh one Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to a Mike in Florida next. Dom. Mike, you're on with John, Paul, and Lance. What's up?
7: I just want to vent a little bit. Uh I was in Florida for vacation so I got to see the game late. Okay. Um I was I, I think a lot of people didn't uh, agree with uh leaving uh, Jones out there for that long.
3: No, and but, I get that. Uh, I, I, I I get
7: it. I kinda liked it. Okay. I loved it. I get that too. You know what I mean? I loved it, I loved it. I, that was actually the best the best part of the game was seeing him out there. Because uh you know, they paid him a lot of money and uh it looked like, uh, you know, they were playing basically uh, away. Dallas was the home. They they didn't look like they can uh, function in the rain very well. Dallas didn't have a problem. Well, Mike, it's I will just, say this. Uh,
3: I don't think Dak Prescott looked great throwing the ball in the rain either in that game, to be honest
1: with no. you. No, he no, didn't. he
3: didn't have a
7: great I mean, he didn't have to really have any type of a game. No, no he
3: didn't. That's the point.
4: 100% true,
1: right?
3: No, You're right about and once that. once again, they ran the ball 30
4: times. So, I mean, that tells you an yeah. awful lot as well.
3: Now, Mike, you're right. And that's the thing. Dallas did not have to throw the ball because of the way the game went. You're right.
7: You know, I figured I figured at some point they were just going to run the ball more since they couldn't pass, lock, like, you know, at all. So, at some point, I figured, well, let's just run the ball and let it be. But that didn't happen. I mean, and, uh, you know, I just think that uh, these games like this, these blowouts like this, that's a hard game to come back from.
3: <laughs> yeah, look, and my, mean, Mike, they, they... It, and, and that's the point, Jonathan can see us real quick, made those on the postgame show last night. Now you got to see how this team answers and responds. That's what J- Brian Dable said last week, talking about how your team's going to respond to adversity. Well, here we go. Week 1, 40 zip, shutout, last place in the NFC East. Everyone else is
1: 1-0, right. adversity. Getting absolutely slammed um, by everybody in creation. And now you yeah. want to talk about that pride question. Let's see how it shows up this week. That's where you need to test the pride. Not last night. That, that was not a problem. They gave effort last night. Let's see what they do about it.
4: And here's the other thing. And I understand the caller making the point that he liked to see Daniel Jones out there. I will say this, though. Let's say they did score a late touchdown. I really don't think that carries a lot of weight into the next game. I understand maybe in the moment you want to feel good about scoring. I'm just, I'm not a big believer that then that gives you extra motivation going into the following season. I think game.
3: that's a mental thing that the coaches can show the players. No, that's maybe fair. On film to show them. A I get bit. that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's what it is.
4: No, and that's what it sounded like when Dable spoke to the media yesterday. Mm-hmm. He seemed to indicate... I need something to bring back to these guys (laughs) on Monday or Tuesday to say we're capable of putting together some coherent drive, which leads to a positive result. I think that was his main motivation. 100%. But I don't think he was saying to himself, man, if we get a late touchdown, we're going to jump out to a 14-0 lead on the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think think that's what he was subscribing to.
1: Last season, not that it's the same, after their two worst performances of the year. And my thanks for the call when they got whacked by the Lions at home and they were out of that game by halftime, they came back and lost to Dallas 28-20. to That and was Thanksgiving. Then, and then when they got absolutely just smashed by the Eagles at home, they came back and beat Washington 20-12. to Both of those games... Obviously, the Dallas game, they lost, but they were competitive for a lot of it. And you had the
3: Lions game before that. So it was really two yeah. games, though, where they really had, you know. The, you they, know. And then and the Giants, I mean, the Giants scored a touchdown against Dallas with like two seconds on the clock. Right, there. right. They were so, competitive yeah, for a lot score of doesn't the game. Necessarily oh, no, tell those oh, yeah. Yeah. In the first half, the game was close. Absolutely. That's but, what I'm saying. But it was the only two games in a row last year. You really had consecutive games where you lost by two scores. Was that Lions and Cowboys game yeah. where you were down by two scores yeah. late in the game?
1: So they have shown under Dable, yes. if you want to use any kind of historical reference, they've shown under Dable that they will not let this snowball too far. It, it It is what it is. And, of course, the schedule makers kind of gave them a little bit of help here with a an Arizona team that is significantly challenged. I'm not, again, to your point about competition. But yeah. the evidence from Brian Dable and his staff right now is that this is probably more of a short-term bruise than it is a snowball.
4: Well, remember, I said this, I believe, on the Monday Labor Day show. Last season, I only lost two games in a row once. Correct. So that was obviously a positive development. You'd like to see that carry over to your point, but it's a new day, it's a new year, and so forth. Yes, it is. And as far as the Arizona game is concerned, I know a lot of people this week are going to say this is an attractive matchup, but the example that I'll give you why you should never overlook an opponent. I know the coaching staff's not going to do this. A few years ago, here at MetLife Stadium, Niners lose Jimmy Garoppolo the previous week against the Jets. Okay, everybody got banged up. Nick they had like Mullins, like seven starters yeah. out. Nick, and they w-
1: destroyed
4: the Giants. My point exactly. So before you look at the paper test, was that
3: Mullins or that No, That yep. was, was Nick Mullins. Mullins. Yeah, it was absolutely was Mullins. Nick Mullins.
4: Yeah, and they lost running backs.
3: Oh yeah, half the roster. I think was hurt.
4: Bosa got hurt too. Actually, Nick Bosa, I don't think played in that game. Dude, if memory serves me I don't correctly, he yeah. Either. yeah. So, all
3: right, final call of the show. Let's go to Keith and Cranford. He'll rack us. he uh, wrap us up here. Keith, what's going on? You want to look at Arizona? So I guess uh, it's precipitous. Good
8: morning, guys. Hello. Good, morning. Oh, good afternoon, I should say. I appreciate the uh, good information and the uh, balanced reviews on different things. But what I what I will say is this was the nightmare game.
3: <laughs> yeah. Me, anyway. No, I, Keith, it wasn't just you, bro. I hate to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
8: But I also look at it from the point of view: is I don't care what Saquon did. When the guy gives you a hit on the ball like that, I don't. There's not many, if any, that people can hold on to the damn thing. It's a way. good,
3: you know, Keith. The other team's allowed to make good plays too.
8: I know. Well, and, and look, they had they had our number on so many different ways. We weren't as mentally prepared, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, we weren't ready. For what we had to do, and uh, we just needed to do a, a hell of a lot more. And I want to see a respectable game. I mean, this was not <laughs> any of those things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also say that this is the point that either you build character, where you you look at the mistakes, you coach the guys up. Can they be better prepared for it next time? Can we do the right things better? And that's where you. That's where you got to go, and that's what we need to do. Um, And I I have faith that I think the coaches and and the players will rise to the occasion. I think they'll do better next week. Now, I'm going to be going to see the 49ers game with my son out in California. I'm hoping I can have a respectable game. That's what I'm hoping.
3: No, Key, look, 100%, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. And, look, I will, and, and good luck on your travels and, and safe trip to California to see the Niner game. We'll see you out there. Look, the way I think about this team and look at this season, it hasn't changed that much from this first game. because I swore, I swore to myself a million times last two weeks, you guys heard me on the air saying I'm not going to overreact to week one, All right. All right? And I thought heading into this game that at this point in time, Dallas was probably still a little bit of a better team. Now, no, I did not by any means think they were going to win no. the game for to nothing. None, none of us thought that. But look, my like overall impression of what I think this team is going to be and going to do this year, it is no different today than what it was on Friday before they played that game. Maybe huh? that's silly. I don't know, but I don't like to just take one game and completely change my mind in terms of how I'm looking at a team and a roster. You
1: know, what's funny, John. I was telling my dad this morning my ten and seven season prediction had them three and three after six games. I had them beating Dallas. But I had him at three and three after six games going into the Jets game, and they can I think, still do that. And I think they get the ten wins. You will have to be three and three. I think that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's one game.
4: Absolutely, it's one game, and I think that we'll learn an awful lot about whether or not this was an outlier very soon. Yes. Is my point mm-hmm. okay? Because after Arizona. You got San Francisco. Okay, maybe Seattle is not as intimidating, but Miami's got Vic Fangio, and they did a number to Herbert late in that game to seal what was a back and forth contest. And then you got Buffalo. So, you know, it doesn't get any easier from a defensive standpoint. Not that there's a lot of picnic and gimme games in the NFL, but you're not going to have to wait very long to determine how much stock and substance to put in this first now, game.
3: Now, look, we talked about the schedule right at the start of the year. Look, the first six games and throwing them, by the way, and then you have, what, Washington in Game 7 and the Jets in Game 8, correct?
4: Yeah. and another pair of good defenses, so especially gonna, up front.
3: I mean, look, you're, you're going to know everything you need to know about this team based on how they do in this early part of the mm-hmm. schedule, because you've got a lot of really good teams with a lot of good defenses and quarterbacks, quite frankly, on the schedule with explosive offenses. Sure. Well. I mean, look so, at what
4: Brock Purdy, by the way, did to that Pittsburgh defense yesterday. Which, by the, the way, entire is Niners really offense. one of the
3: more talented defenses in the league, which is really what makes that performance by the Niners that much more impressive. Yeah.
4: And that's what speed does to you. Speed can... Catch what it's a really solid defense off guard. Yeah,
3: Christian McCaffrey looked pretty. And, in
4: that and, game. and by the way, just real quickly, hmm. that's the other thing that I don't think we discussed enough. Hey, I, I walk away from the game yesterday. I thought speed separated both of these teams noticeably, even though in reality the Giants have added speed to the team. I saw a much faster Cowboys team. I thought so too. I will fronts. say
3: this: the Cowboys defense looked very fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know how fast their offense looks necessarily, but I think a lot of that's the weather and the rain. These guys on offense don't move as fast. But well, but it, they dealt with the elements
4: better with respect to their speed, perhaps. It is perhaps. easier
1: Correct. to look like you're on the power play, though, when your defense is playing downhill.
3: Yes. To me, I think the thing that stands out is that of all the units that were on the field yesterday, the Cowboys' defensive unit look special. Yeah. It, did. it looked really, really fast and
1: really, really aggressive and really, really good.
3: But you know what? We said going into the air, they're going to be one of the top three defenses in football, right? So again, this shouldn't be that, that, that big of a surprise. I would surprise have loved either.
1: to have seen them in a more respectable situation. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, where they can't pin their backs and pass rush every
3: down. 100%. No, I'm with you. Alright guys, thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live again. Make sure you go find the Giants Hangout. It's probably not up yet. I know they're working on getting all the graphics and everything set up, so make sure. Uh, by the end of the day, it will be. Hear from Lance Howard and Russ reacting to that uh, first game against Dallas, um, that forty to nothing loss. And Big Blue Kickoff Live will be back tomorrow on Giants.com at twelve thirty with Madeline and Howard. We will see you then.